everyone, everyone. This is Rick Baza, and this is The Drive Podcast, where we talk about business and investing. Uh, today, we're specifically going to talk about acquisitions. So I've gone through a couple of acquisitions. Uh, it's something that is part of our journey with the company um, to continue growing. And I want to talk about how we use it strategically, some of the things that I look for, and really just the way I evaluate things as we're going through the, the business process. So just to kind of back up a little bit, the first acquisition, um, if you haven't seen the episodes, I would encourage you to go watch uh, mine and John's conversation. I bought John Padilla Plumbing from John uh, back in the beginning of 2021. And that was my entrance into the trades and plumbing specifically. Uh, since then, we've acquired uh, another company called Straight Line Plumbing, uh, which was uh, a close by uh, at the time competitor. And we've um, uh, absorbed them into our business. And then I've also acquired the Zoom Drain franchise uh, with a, a large territory here in San Diego, which has been very exciting. So that uh, those are the ones that have been completed thus far. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of constantly talking to other potential suitors uh, who may be in the market. And there's some that have come up that I've passed on, and there's some um, that I'm, I'm still very interested in. So just kind of wanted to walk through uh, what that process looks like and how some of those decisions get made. And hopefully that adds value to, to you through your process. And if it does, this is a newer podcast. I would certainly appreciate you sharing this out so that it can reach uh, more people and, and get in front of more eyeballs. Um, okay, so first thing you're kind of thinking about is different stages through the what you're looking at from a business perspective. So the traditional one, I think the smallest is is kind of the one man shop, if you will, who's looking to retire. These seem to come up quite a bit, especially with the number of uh, people who are retiring on a regular basis. Uh, there's a lot of people who are thinking, you know, hey, how can I, you know, make a, a economical exit uh, from my retirement, essentially. Uh, and in a lot of cases, there really isn't a business to be bought there. So that's where you're really coming up with kind of a creative structure. Uh, normally, um, and I've, I've had one of these go through with, with this arrangement and then uh, one where they, they really weren't interested in entertaining it. But I really don't see a, a lot of other options for an opportunity like this that presents itself. But essentially what you're doing is buying the phone number. And um, when you're buying the phone number, obviously the, the risk of that of involved is that those customers aren't necessarily going to be going with you. Um, so it'd be kind of hard to, to make a argument that you should be spending a significant down payment on that phone number um, to take on that risk. So normally the, the way I think about it is it's kind of like a, a different channel. You know, most of our business will flow through like a Google or a Yelp or just old school boots on the ground networking and marketing campaigns. And I'm really thinking of this just as a, an auxiliary marketing channel. So how I would traditionally try to set that up is, you know, I'm going to basically acquire your phone number. You know, the, the operating systems that we use now allow for the phone number to be ported into our system so that we'll have good tracking metrics for any call that comes through that. We could offer that up to the potential seller and say, hey, you know, we'll send you a monthly report and we'll give you basically a cut on those closed calls. So basically a, a percentage. And um, really it's, you know, if you're thinking about, well, how much do I typically spend on marketing as a percentage of revenue? You can kind of come to the agreement. You know, I've seen some some people say 5% of any sale they close. Some say 10% of any sales they close. It's really just a matter of what you're able to negotiate and what makes sense for the potential amount of volume that could come through that channel. But in some cases, that can be a very, very attractive agreement because there's really not a lot of downside to it, right? Okay, if the phone doesn't ring, well, you don't get paid. So now I'm protected from myself as the buyer. And if the phone keeps ringing and we're closing business on that, you know, I'm going to continue to pay that. 
Now, you may make it some agreement where that only lasts for a certain amount of time. You know, maybe there's a one-year, two-year, three-year stipulation where after that, you know, it's up to the business to retain and, and really keep those customers coming back for more. But obviously, that's all part of the negotiation process. But those tend to be more commonly the way I see those types of business getting interest. You know, some, like I said, some some potential sellers aren't going to want that. They're going to think like, no, this has, you know, I put my whole life into this. And that's more typically more of an emotional sale because realistically there isn't typically a business to be bought there. It's a phone number. There may be a van, maybe some equipment, but in reality, you know, you can go out and buy that in the open marketplace. So there's not a ton to be had there. It's just used, you know, used equipment or vehicles at that point. So normally it's the phone number that's the most attractive piece. In a really interesting structure, maybe you're able to bring that person on and you know maybe watching mine and John episode, maybe there's a way that they can contribute in some amazing ways that you haven't even thought of, whether that's training, you know, the apprenticeship program, some of the things that John had talked about doing. There, there could be some real value there, uh, but oftentimes in at least the conversations that I've had thus far, those people are typically wanting to maybe move or leave uh, the state is, is a common reason just with the how expensive California is in particular. Uh, so normally they're, they're kind of trained transitioning and aren't really fully interested in, in coming on as an employee. So it, it may be a barrier, but that is something that I've, I've at least found helpful and as a potential opportunity set. As I said, we've had one agreement with that. Honestly, phone didn't ring very often. I sent them a couple checks, but in general, you know, haven't had much activity there. So I'm glad because that was a, a obviously protected myself in that framework and then had someone who just, frankly, they didn't trust that we were going to be reporting the, the monthly cadence, um, practically, which, um, you know, I, I get it. Like maybe, yeah, you know, I didn't have a tr 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 true uh, belief that that would go through, but uh, just rest assured the operating systems do allow for something like that to happen fairly easily at this point in place. Anyway, so after we go through the one person vehicle, um, or if you come across something like that, it can be a really interesting opportunity. I have buddies that have had a lot of success going that direction. Um, you're kind of going through the, the, the larger ones, you know, typically you're seeing anywhere from the three vehicles to like seven vehicle range tends to be kind of that next iteration. You know, for me, three gets a little too small. Um, I, I tend to now have a minimum of like, I'd want to see five because what, what you're kind of accounting for is there may be some attrition through the acquisition anyways. So for me, I would want to have a pipeline of really, really talented apprentices who are ready to step into those vehicles just in case there is any attrition, because the worst thing that you could do is basically acquire this company where your phones are ringing and the customers are wanting your services. And now you don't have the manpower to fulfill that because for some reason, you know, things didn't go through with the integration as you were hoping for, and you've lost talent. And now all of a sudden you have empty vans just sitting there and the phones are ringing and you can't service them. Kind of the worst case scenario through an acquisition process. So what I would like to see is, you know, as, as we're bolting on a company, for example, I want to see my pipeline of talent is ready to expand into that. And that gives me confidence that I have, you know, enough wiggle room going through this in case there is any attrition um, that we could step into those vehicles and then um, still have a, a large large enough presence where it's a, a quote unquote real company. You know, they have a reputation. They have typically a company of that size. They've been at this for a while. They've built a good reputation. You know, there's there's something of value there that you're capturing. You know, again, that that tends to now be, I think the five would be the, the minimum for us that we're, we're exploring for that reason. So, you know, that two to four vehicle kind of is a no man's land, which actually may present some interesting opportunities because you might, people like me, not, not as interested in that space. Uh, but for our purposes, I'm, I'm kind of 
now looking at that five or more. And what I find attractive about that particular space is um, now private equity is continuing to come lower and lower into the market. But what I like about that five or more van space is they're still typically a little too small for private equity in most cases. I'm sure there's plenty of deals that are happening in that there, you know, if you go across the country, but in most cases, they're a little too small because realistically, that's where an owner needs to step in and roll up their sleeve. So there's still a lot of work to be done, right, to get to that next level, because normally that's in like the one to two million dollar uh, top line revenue range. And again, they're, they're a little too small for private equity, but they can be an attractive thing for someone who's willing to put in the work because really <laughs> the, the, that's what the work begins once the deal closes, right? The, the deal might be the fun part and, you know, you get to go through and do all your spreadsheets and come up with all these amazing growth plans and everything, but the work really begins when the, the deal closes. And then now it's time to integrate the teams, make sure there's a culture fit, you know, you're retaining customers, you're making sure that they're being treated properly and all that good stuff. And that can be something that a lot of people don't necessarily want to deal with, though. They want to kind of buy those larger companies where they can step in. You know, there's a manager already in place. There's a team and systems and everything like that. But understand that that's where you're going to be paying a premium for that. So there's a bit of a, a give and take, as you can imagine, whereas you're, if you're going into this lower, you'll call it five van uh, area, you know, there's typically not as many systems in place. There may not be the managerial support. There's all of these other things. So the valuation may come down. So you're not paying as much for it, but that is going to be paid in sweat equity, if you will, on what type of work you need to do to really make that attractive. Now, those can be really attractive businesses for us at this point because we have a great infrastructure in place. So, um, you know, now if we're looking at those types of businesses, we can say, you know, hey, we have our call center in place is going to be able to really provide great um, customer support through the phone. You know, we have great managers in place. We have great marketing channels dialed in. You know, we, we have a good infrastructure. So then if we're absorbing that in and they can fit in from the culture standpoint, that can actually be quite attractive. So that tends to see where you see some of those businesses, you know, if you're kind of looking at the space and newer and you're like, wow, how come someone was able to pay more than I would have thought? Well, we're able to pay a little bit more because of the way that they can potentially integrate and really add to our our gross margin levels um, when it's all said and done because we already have the infrastructure in place to support them. Just kind of uh, food for thought. Obviously, then as you get into that next territory, that is where you're kind of typically competing against the larger players. So whether they're a flat out, you know, private equity buyer who's coming in, or it's a bigger shop who's maybe looking to expand a their their line of service, or maybe just their territory or something like that, that can be then tends to be where that that uh, comes into play. And obviously, that's a that's a more attractive from uh, hands off. I, I, I hate, you know, the idea of passive because it's just really not how any of this works. But if you're truly thinking you're going to be more hands off, that's typically when you have more of the managerial support, um, you know, and that could be different lines of service, whether that's just a general manager, or service manager, or op, 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 uh, op, office manager, <laughs> office manager support. Um, but basically you have different lines where you're coming in and there's, you know, business functions that are already well up and established and running. Now, naturally, those types of businesses are going to come and a more premium multiple. So you're going to be paying more for them. And that's just a lifestyle choice. That's when you're going through and it's thinking, you know, hey, am I at the point in my life like I am myself where I want to roll up my sleeves, get in there, get busy, get active and and really kind of put my um, touch on this business and see what I'm able to do as far as creating results and how I can best support my team and those types of things. Or, you know, do I want to be in a situation in my life where I'm really looking to come in and kind of make tweaks on the margin and see if I can add value, maybe a little bit slower, but, you know, just kind of keeping things on the right track, more or less, right? We're already a successful business, keeping things on the right track. I feel spoiled because I feel like I got a great 
great business that already was doing a lot of things great, uh, but was small enough for me to still come in and, and, and make a meaningful um, uh, difference uh, through, through some of my objectives and what I was looking to do. Um, but that's less common, I think, the case when you're, when you're looking at those smaller businesses. I think you're going to typically have a lot of a heavier lift. So in any event, you kind of have these three different buckets. So hopefully this is helpful as you segment it to review kind of your, your solo, which is typically, I, I think the value there is really in the phone number. Ideally, maybe you're able to convince them to come over as an employee. Um, then you got that kind of next iteration, which, you know, I think two to five is, in my opinion, a little bit of no man's land. Um, but then as you get to like five to 10, you're, you're kind of in that next bucket of space where you're, you're just under the radar of private equity, but you're, you're kind of a, a real company and you're, you're, you know, you're producing a, a credible business and you've, you've done a, you know, that seller has done an amazing job getting to that point. Cause I think something like 90% of trade businesses never get past, uh, I think it's three vans or something like that. Like, you know, maybe fact checked on that, but it's something uh, like that. So, you know, those are very respectable businesses, um, but still they're, they're going to take work, right? There's a, there's a, a lift that's going to be required there. And then, you know, you're going beyond that where you're kind of into those larger ones and that's really where you're competing against them. So as you're thinking about your acquisition journey, um, those are kind of tend to be the three buckets that I see at least so far have seen um, really materializing in the space. And then you're kind of figuring out where are you in the journey that makes sense for you. And then obviously fitting that into your underwriting and how all that helps. Um, get, you know, get you to where you want to be. And then obviously that can change over time. So initially, you know, you may be attracted to one thing, but then depending on where your business is at, like I was saying, you know, we can now add those kind of five truck businesses into ours very successfully. And, and, and um, my goal is to execute that efficiently. Um, but that may change over time. You know, I have a buddy who you know, says that he wouldn't touch anything less than 10 because he's at a much bigger phase um, and he's willing to pay a premium for the kind of ease of operation of that. Uh, whereas, you know, I'm, I think a lot of the value add that I'm able to bring is in figuring out how can we add value to those, you know, smaller vehicle, uh, smaller assets, if you will, to then kind of put them in with what we're doing and, and make a more efficient thing uh, out of the combination of the two. So anyways, I hope this is helpful. Um, I get a lot of questions about this, so I figured I'd talk about it and be able to share that out. Um, if you have any questions further, feel free to drop them into the comments. You can reach me at Rick Baza on Twitter. Obviously, please uh, do the like, the subscribe, all that good stuff if you found this valuable. And again, please share out with it being newer as we expand the reach it's all because of you and hopefully uh, you getting value from this so thanks for listening to uh, the rant and hope it was helpful